0: wanted to be like a classical you know soloist orchestra but it's kind of like being a ninja like you have to be in, in the room eight hours practicing and it's so scary but it's the music is so magical so I studied with a member of the Philharmonic um she was actually the first woman in the Philharmonic mm. she was she's an incredible bassist and genius teacher so I was very lucky and she helped my technique so much and I'm so lucky I studied with her but I saw what was needed of me and you really have to like it's It's very selfless work, Mm -hmm. you know, so I just, I realized if I was going to do that, I couldn't probably do anything else. And I kind of like to do a lot of different stuff. So that's what happened.
1: Yeah, I guess it's sort of like being a ninja also from the standpoint of that there just aren't that many classically trained pianists around anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: True. At what point was it clear that it wasn't something you could really do?
0: Um, well, I guess like, I bought a bass for classical bass, and it, but like, first of all, the expenses of like, it has to be an expensive, ba- it was like $5,000 base mm. and already that's scaring me and bringing it around. I guess the ultimate thing was just nerves. You know, I was just so nervous all the time because I, because if you mess up, that's it. If you make a mistake in the, in the orchestra or yeah. and the audition, that's it. All those hours go out the window. You made a mistake, you know?
1: It's like a black mark on your right. permanent record.
0: And if you just like, everyone makes mistakes. No one's a robot. And I'm not saying they're robots, but I guess it's how you handle the mistake. Like, I saw this cellist give a master class on Bach, and it, what? And someone asked, what do you do when you make a mistake? And he's like, well, it's how you handle the mistake. It's how you come from the mistake. You can make it and keep going like nothing happened, mm. you can make a mistake and freak out, and I freak out. <laughs> so just making mistakes freak me out, and just the competition, the competitive, I don't like competitive vibes, and yeah. you kind of have to be, which is fine, but it kind of felt like a sport which I didn't like.
1: You don't feel like that's the same way in the music that you're playing now?
0: It's it is, but less because it's more about being yourself. And if you wrote the song, mm-hmm. you can make a mistake because I, you know, I wrote it. So like I can add a different note if I feel like it, you know, but if Beethoven wrote it, you got to play what Beethoven wrote perfectly and it's there's so many opinions on how to play it, right? And you know every not everyone agrees like Philadelphia plays all the notes longer and New York plays the notes shorter and there's a lot to remember. So So
1: there I mean there is some wiggle room there it sounds like in in the way that it's interpreted.
0: Yes, exactly. So it's first there's first playing it perfect and then there's no such thing as perfection mm. especially in music and all these composers are dead. So it's just like so much fighting. People are very selfless to the music and they're very opinionated and their lives are devoted to it. And it's
1: beautiful, but it's very also intimidating. You realize that it is possible to make a mistake and that it's possible to come back from that mistake, but you don't think it's in your character to be able to come back from that mistake.
0: Yeah. The minute I make a mistake in the orchestra, I just start panicking and everyone, I get some, when, I'm, when I get those looks, I'm like, Oh God.
1: This is from coming from experience. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah, a yeah. hypothetical. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of People, like, uh, you know, indie bands or Mm -hmm. or indie musicians make mistakes on stage, and it's Mm -hmm. kind of endearing in that setting.
0: Right, because it's like, you know, it's a different vibe. Yeah. I mean, and still with the, you know, songwriter circuit, everyone, it's the same thing of devotion to the craft, and, you know, it's not like anyone is working harder than anyone, but also, like, for example, like, my teacher, I had, Orin O'Brien is her name, and Mm. she's just a a genius. I think every human is a genius at something. She's a genius at bass And... There was this excerpt book that all her students had to learn, this thick, of all the orchestral excerpts. And she would teach, she knows so much, she would teach everyone how to play it for each orchestra audition. They were in the, auditioning for Boston, they have to do this. New York has to play it like this. And she knew it. I trusted her, she was right. And she, but she was also kind of, I don't want to say a rebel, but she had these opinions that, like, people were threatened by her, because she's a woman, and Mm -hmm. she's so amazing at the bass, and... I knew she was right about a lot of stuff, and she would just tell stories of people questioning her and then realizing she was right.
1: It's just right. I mean, that's probably how she ended up being a teacher instead of you know still playing.
0: Yeah, in the well, orchestra. she does still play. Oh, she does still play. Yeah, okay. she does everything.
1: She's a renegade, but she's they still incredible. let her in the orchestra because she's so good.
0: Yeah, well, she yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is she uh, studied with this incredible bass player who passed it all down to her, and mm. she just she's like a guru. Everyone knows she knows what to do. She's yeah. who everyone comes to. Before their auditions. And now everybody sees it. I'm sure when she was younger, people mm-hmm. were like, what's this girl doing telling me? And now they realize, now they come to her for lessons. So she's very inspiring.
1: When I think of orchestral instruments, the bass isn't mm-hmm. really the first one that comes to mind. How do you end up playing the bass?
0: I first learned piano. I was very lucky that my parents started me on piano when I was mm-hmm. five, like most kids are given piano because it's kid friendly, you know, it's not, you don't have to haul it around. It's also
1: the building blocks for everything it's, else. Exactly.
0: So yeah. I think if you have kids or anyone listening has kids, start them on piano because. That's the a great instrument to start. But the thing I wish someone told me is, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to be your instrument because I didn't click with piano like I was okay, but I was never, wow, that kid is going to be. I was okay.
1: You felt like you sort of hit the ceiling.
0: Well, I felt the whole time I felt like this is fun, but something about it is really difficult for me. I think it's you have to do many things at once. Both hands are doing different things Mm -hmm. and your feet start getting involved Mm -hmm. with the pedals. And I think people who play piano tend to be good at drums because it's another thing where they're doing a lot at once. Yeah and even guitar in some ways but in middle school i started i taught myself guitar cuz my dad is an amazing blues and rock guitar mm. player and he showed me some stuff but it's like awkward having the person who changed your diapers teaching you how to play rolling stones you know things will... some of the
1: songs for sure yeah <laughs> yeah
0: it, it, just like the whole feeling of it like yeah. i'm the baby i'm always going to be a baby yeah. in his eyes which is fine but i was I was very shy around him in terms of music. So I did teach myself, but he, t- I totally just copied him. Like everything he did, whether he knows it or not, I was just studying everything he yeah. did and copying it. So in a way, he did teach me guitar without teaching me guitar. Mm. And then I'd go in my room and he had this book called The Official Beatles Song Chord Book, which mm-hmm. is an amazing book. It has every Beatles song and the not not a tab, but a chord chart. See, so you start with the songs that are two chords, because the Beatles, you know, they knew two chords at the beginning mm-hmm. and then they kept learning. And that's really I was raised in the Beatles equal religion, sort of. Sure. I dropped out of Hebrew sure. school, but it was always Beatles, Beatles, no, Beatles. Bigger than Jesus, but right. <laughs> yeah, same, same. Probably bigger than God <laughs> in my house. Just sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, anyone. But uh, yeah, so that taught me. And then uh then in my band class, I learned electric bass and uh, I got obsessed with James Jamerson. Uh huh. Yeah. Who is basically the reason I play music. But yeah, my dad played me hit, you know, James Jameson playing with the Four Tops, mm-hmm. Bernadette, and Richard yeah, yeah. be there, and I just almost fainted. I was so, like in sixth, sixth grader, like oh. it was so, it freaked me out. I was like, oh my gosh, what? And so then I was just obsessed with bass and guitar, but I kept taking piano lessons. So in middle school, I didn't really have any friends because I was kind of annoying and... Just no one knew if I was a boy or a girl, so I would play a lot of basketball and like listen to a lot of Motown and blues and Jimi Hendrix and try to learn all the songs. And then uh, I auditioned for Laguardia High School, which, you know, the movie Fame was based on. Yeah,
1: performing arts.
0: Yes, which was yeah. So I auditioned and I on piano and I auditioned on electric bass. I played. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a Jamerson line, but I want you back. Jackson Mm Five bass line. But another Motown
1: bass line. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: played that. Which is a cool line. Yeah, a lot of people think it's Jamerson, but it's not. It's, I think it's Bob Babbitt. But yeah, so I did that. And then I got into LaGuardia, which is amazing. And uh, also the band teacher at my middle school, Keith Carroll, was amazing. and Really, he was like my friend at the school. He's helped me so much. And he had a son at the school. like He was a good parent type got figure and helped me a lot. So I got into LaGuardia. And at LaGuardia, if you get in on piano or electric bass, you have to learn an instrument for the orchestra which is really great, I think. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to pick viola or double bass, because those are the instruments that less people pick, so Mm -hmm. I figured it's less competitive and more my vibe. And uh, we have this friend named Sprocket Royer, who's a great bass player, and him and my dad were in a band called Uncle Boogie and the Boogie Men. My dad was Manhattan Slim, and Uncle Boogie's my godfather, Eric.
1: That is such a good dad band name. I
0: I agree. And they were played in all like the crazy blues clubs back in the day, and uh sprocket always would at passover play double bass and i saw him play it. i was like wow that guy's so cool and i want to play that like him i wanted to be like him so i picked double bass and then i got this amazing teacher judy sugarman who taught me bass and not to be a bragging but i just excelled really fast maybe because i loved it but it was the instrument i clicked with like for whatever reason mm-hmm. double bass fits with my brain I think everyone has that instrument they click with, it, and it might not be piano, it might not be violin.
1: It's interesting. It, it's probably why a lot of people would give it up it because is. they don't find their yeah, instrument. They're like,
0: "What?" But it could be they are bassoon player. Maybe if they found bassoon. But a lot of these instruments are so rare and hard to find unless you go to a performing arts school, which is why it's really important. There's music in the schools. Yeah. So double bass. I start. I got into the highest orchestra in like a year or maybe less, and uh I was just practicing a lot and then I got a jazz teacher, jazz bass, Neil Minor. He was in him and Judy were are they incredible bass players and genius teachers and they helped me so much. And then I auditioned for all these colleges and I got into all of the ones I wanted except for I couldn't afford it. But Mm -hmm. then I got a full scholarship to Manis, which now moved down here, right near here. The new school for classical. And that's where I went for a year and a half and studied with Lauren O'Brien. And then I Dropped out and just stayed in my room drawing comics for a year, and then I went to then I auditioned for jazz schools, and I went to the new school for jazz, and I got another full scholarship. Thank God, otherwise I couldn't have gone.
1: You kind of zeroed in on on the orchestra potentially as as the way forward, but mm-hmm. once that didn't work out, mm-hmm. you're not as heavily involved in, in bass. But I, I would think that there would be a lot of spots for somebody who can play. Either jazz or 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 rock bass, right? More well, yeah. than orchestral. That's
0: why, like, my parents were worried. Like, they they were worried if I didn't. They wanted me to go to classical school because they're right. They were right in the sense that classical music is the basis of all music and technique. Like, mm-hmm. if, on double bass, if you don't have the right technique, you can hurt your hand and be get tendonitis and be unable to play mm-hmm. for maybe your whole life. And the teacher I went to is she knows the most. Like. I I hate to use the most words, but she really knows about how to help people with technique. So I'm very lucky I went to her because what happened to me was once I got to the new school for jazz, I started doing only jazz bass and playing maybe three gigs a night every day. And I was playing so much that if I hadn't went to her before, I could have really messed up my hands. So that was really
1: helpful. (laughs) How was that conversation with her? Did you have to tell her that you just this wasn't for you? Oh,
0: well, she had so many... It, the pressure wasn't that bad because yeah. she had so many students. And I was like her baby student. I was the baby. So she kind of liked teaching me just because I was learning the basics more uh-huh. than her other students. Like she always told me, you have potential, but you have to learn the basics. And I understood. She was right. So she had so many students that it wasn't a big deal to her. And she knows, she knew that I played jazz and, and I was yeah. interested in other music. And she liked that. So I don't think it was a big deal,
1: but you still feel like those were valuable lessons. Oh, yeah, with even sure. with the music that you're playing now. Sure, I
0: think uh, yeah, I think Bach is the basis of everything. I love Bach, and someone I love is Nina Simone, mm-hmm. who everyone loves, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, she really, you can hear Bach and her playing and everything
1: she does. Bach being the building block, but Mm -hmm. most people who play that sort of music don't have that training.
0: Yeah, I was very lucky to have it.
1: So you do do think that that having learned that is useful?
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, like at the beginning, you know, in the 50s and 60s, all the jazz musicians, all the bebop, they started with classical. Everyone Mm -hmm. started in marching bands or in gospel in the church. And, I mean, classical music mixed and gospel music Mm -hmm. together, to me, a lot of it, equals Scott Joplin who's one of my mm. all-time like if I'm on a deserted island yeah. I can pick one person to listen to it's his music so yeah I think I think uh, the thing I mainly believe is that all music is so related especially the only good thing about America like America's really you know effed up yeah. as you know uh, yeah uh, as we all know but the good thing is all the music all the cultures all the people come yeah. together and like for example the blues is the reason for rock with that or and country music. The blues is the reason for everything. I believe Bach and the blues.
1: A lot of people put in very fucked up situation have have made some very good art.
0: Right. Yes. I mean, amazing art, but the situation it came from is beyond a nightmare. But all the music coming together, especially in New York City, you can go hear salsa music. You can Mm -hmm. go hear gospel music. You can go hear singer-songwriter. There's even a country music scene and a bluegrass music scene of people that I love to play with here. There's everything here.
1: Was there particular or were there particular singer-songwriters that clicked for you that made you want to go in that direction? Of
0: course. Oh, yeah. I love all these questions. You're like, this is the perfect questions. Uh, Yeah, sure. So what happened was like, um, I always kind of loved every music except for I don't really love pop. Just the songs that I think are written in a room, like a business room with 11 men with clipboards. Let's write a hit. By
1: committee. Yeah, manipulative,
0: like kind of Mm culty pop songs I maybe don't love. But I can't argue with that; they help people. But sure.
1: every once in a while, they get a good hook, and you sure can't they deny do. that. Yeah,
0: sure they do. I like Robin; you know mm-hmm. her, She's the Swedish pop singer. Yeah, yeah. She writes really pretty songs. Yeah, I hear
1: stuff. I heard like that a weekend song recently, where I was just like that it, undeniable.
0: Music is the notes are the yeah. notes, and so yeah. though My whole life, you know, it was the Beatles, Little Richard, mm-hmm. Chuck Berry; those are like my dad's guys, mm-hmm. and you know Albert King, mm-hmm. Muddy Waters, mm-hmm. and that's the stuff I'll always listen to. And then if and then in middle school, I. And I still love Modest Mouse. I got into Modest okay. Mouse, and I really love Modest Mouse. Yeah. And Weezer. I love Weezer. Sure. And so I wanted to write songs. I always wanted to. But I kind of was forcing it out. And I'd write melodies, but the words wouldn't mm. make sense. I didn't really have anything to – I had stuff to write about. I didn't know how to write about it because mm-hmm. we all have stuff to write about sure. our feelings. But I never thought I had any like business doing it. But then uh, in, in college, um, I heard Elliot Smith again. And I heard him first in high school, and I was like – was this, what's this guy whining about? What's this <laughs> whiny white guy music? I don't like it. Like, you know, but I secretly liked it, mm. but I was ashamed
1: in a way. I don't know. I just was like, I don't know what I thought, but it Keep was... think a thing that people don't discuss enough when they talk about Elite Smith mm-hmm. it, it are are the melodies or the fact that he was a pop writer, well, like those hooks. Yeah.
0: What happened was, like, I was secretly liking it, but yeah. I'm like, this isn't Muddy Water, so I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> so, yeah. so then in college, I, for whatever reason, put, his on- put it on, and I flipped out yeah. and... I went on a rampage of Elliot's. And to this day, like I, and then I started writing songs because of the feeling I got from his songs. I just felt like, wow, what he's doing for me, I want to maybe help someone do, maybe I don't know if I can make someone feel this way, but I can try to. And that's been my goal, just to try to make people feel better with the songs like he's done, like he did for me. Yeah. I have this tattoo because if he had the same one from this book.
1: Yeah. 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 I always felt that way about Elliot Smith, that he was a, a pop. Songwriter, he said but, that too about himself. But the the delivery mechanism was was different. He
0: said I'm a pop writer. I remember yeah. an MTV interview. But he's all, he's so complicated. It's, it's country music. It's everything. Yeah. jazz. Jazz musicians love his songs. Brad, I think Brad Melod- Brad, Melod- Brad, Melod- Brad Melod- does Nick Drake songs actually. Mm. But a lot of jazz musicians I know started getting into Elliott Smith. Covering his songs are very complicated. Like he called it pop. Yeah. Because it's a broad term, but it's so much. It encompasses so much.
1: So you felt like you you had the melodies and the tools, but you didn't have the maybe the words? The
0: emotional feel. I didn't yeah. have the right... I think all you need to write songs is the inspiration.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, but you're yeah. speaking
1: more lyrically?
0: Well, I just didn't have that gut feeling of, I yeah. need to write a song or I'm going to explode. Yeah. I had, I want to write songs because it's cool, because John Lennon's cool. But I didn't have that feeling of, I need to write a song because... I need, I need the word need. (laughs) Yeah. It was, I want to write a song.
1: So what was the first song that you wrote that had that sort of, that visceral quality?
0: Um, Well, I guess none of my songs had like, they weren't songs. They were like fragments. They could be songs, but like a full song with lyrics, you mean. I kind of lucked out. I think the other reason I got into it was my first song was so easy to write that Mm. I kind of was like, I want to do this because I wrote it in a dream. And that's happened before to many people, and but it turned out to be another song that was already already made. Yeah, and it's happened. I forget Benny Golson, some jazz musician woke up from a dream and he thought he wrote a song, but it was Stardust. <laughs> so that's happened to me. I think with my funny Valentine. Yeah, but I wrote it this happened song- to uh,
1: George Harrison with my sweet lord. Oh right? my
0: gosh, that <laughs> that drama. Oh man.
1: But the flip side of that is that I mean the really famous one in rock is the Keith Richards Satisfaction story.
0: That's a, that's a dream.
1: Where Absolutely. he woke up the next morning and he had the riff for satisfaction. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: Thanks for telling me. That's so cool. Yeah, so I woke up from a dream and I had this whole entire song written. Hmm. And I just went and wrote it down. What was it? It's called He Dreams and it's on one of my... I can send it to you if you want. Sure. Uh, it's sure. on my first record that I yeah. took offline because I want to re-record it. And, okay. But it was actually literally about what was happening to me. Like I was having a friend sleep over and the whole thing that happened in the song... Was something I was paranoid about, and it came out in my dream. And it, it
1: was—I mean, it has "dream" in the title. What's the kind of crux of the song? Oh man, I'll tell you if you really want. Well, I mean, you're re-recording oh, it, so tell its going
0: to tell it's, you. It's gonna be out in the world when I you mean, record it. Was it was just that I was paranoid the person I liked liked someone
1: else. Okay,
0: and it turned out I wound up getting together with this person for three years, but I was just paranoid that he liked someone else. I don't know. It was just I was being a cuckoo person, and so it was just about that.
1: Yeah. So there was no reservation about writing something so personal for your first song?
0: No, because to me, like, who cares? Like, you know, <laughs> everyone has stuff like this, right? That's the thing about this. Like, yeah, it's personal, but we all go through stuff like this. Yeah, We have a crush on someone. There's drama. Everyone has this. And who cares? It's me. I'm not like Kim Kardashian. It's not going to be on the cover of People magazine. Well, you know, I don't, I don't
1: think Kim Kardashian <laughs> has much reservation about her Either. personal life yeah. going out in the and world. And I
0: admire that in a way.
1: Yeah. That happened and the floodgates kind of opened for you? Yeah,
0: and then Kim Kardashian signed me to her label. No, I'm kidding. Yes, that happened. And then I was like, man, I want to do this. But I didn't want to sing the songs because so I was, thought I couldn't sing. And I had all these... Mm. Singing is even scarier than writing songs. Sure. So I was asking my friends to sing the songs instead of me. And the fact that they wanted to was like a, made me feel better about Because I was like, these songs suck. But then my friends were like, wait, I want to sing that song. Like, mm-hmm. They said that. And I'm like, You do?
1: Please do it. So that would have been a perfectly fine career path, that uh, being a songwriter, right? Sure. And I was into it, but then I,
0: but then I wanted to sing just because it's so fun to sing. But I thought it was fun for me and no one else to hear it. And I started singing, and certain friends of mine, like my friend Sammy, very supportive of it. Like he, I really owe a lot to him because he was really, he always wanted me to sing. And my partner at the time wanted me to sing. My parents did. But then other people would tell me I couldn't sing. So there was all this weird weird feelings like I want to do it but I suck and I didn't know what to do so then I went to singing lessons with this amazing teacher Kate Baker who's kind of like Orin O'Brien in that she has hundreds of students and like so many students and she's really good at helping with vocal technique and fixing people who's broke their vocal cords mm. and she heard me sing and she said that's not your real voice that's not your real singing voice stop singing like that
1: that sounds like a metaphor if ever I've heard one right it really
0: was and I was just like Whoa, really? And she's like, yeah, I take all those things offline because no. I made a whole demo of me singing that she heard and she went, that's not you. How
1: would you describe the way you were singing up to that point? I was
0: trying to sing in like, I really like Nina Simone, so okay. I was trying to, and Chet Baker, so You're I was trying to sing, to sing in like, like a in low. Like a, a deep black woman's a, voice? Well, <laughs> in a low, like, kind of like weird mono, like no vibrato, like, low, weird voice that I thought was cool. But I think the whole trick to singing is you have to hear yourself sing, and that's really hard. You have to train yourself to be able to hear what's coming out of you and hear Do the, you yeah. feel like
1: you were trying to be someone else, in a M- sense? Maybe
0: a mixture. I think that's how we all start with music, like yeah. copying a couple sure. of people. The good news is I wasn't copying one person, but I was kind of trying to mix all the singing I like together. But it wasn't right. I wasn't getting the pitch right. It wasn't right. And then she caught me singing in my real voice for a split second. She said, that's it. That note you just sang. I'm like, what? What did I do? And she just trained me to do it all the time.
1: It's closer to your speaking voice.
0: I hope so. Thank you. That's nice of you.
1: No, I just mean from the standpoint of you can tell when somebody is not singing like themselves. You can, not Because right? it doesn't sound like their voice when they speak.
0: Yeah, the good news is I wasn't singing in a weird accent, which I'm happy about. <laughs> but, you know, works for some people. But, yeah, so she just trained me to sing in my real voice. And she has very easy vocal exercises she invented that are easy to do.
1: How would you describe your, your real singing voice?
0: I don't know. Some people say... I don't know. People say a nice compliment. The thing is, I can't tell you because I don't like to listen to it. Like, I actually can't tell you how i describe it, but I can say what people have said.
1: I think of a lot of singers that I do like who do seem to sing in an affected way. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the most obvious example is probably like Tom Waits. Sure. Like, I... I love that. Sure. Or... Bob Dylan sings in a lot of different effective ways. Sure. I think even like an Amy Winehouse kind of sings in it in an right. effective way mm-hmm. in 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 her own way. So the idea of your own voice is is an interesting one,
0: right? Like my favorite singer, I hate the word favorite, but I do have a favorite in general mm-hmm. in music and life, and that's Louis Armstrong, mm-hmm. who's my 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 guy. Yeah, and he sings like Cookie Monster. <laughs> you know, it's like it's a scary voice, but to yeah. me that I love I love his singing so much. To me, it's gorgeous. But yeah. someone else will be like. What the heck is this? So he's my favorite singer. And I just like singers who sound weird. Like, I like all those old blues recordings, mm-hmm. like that Casey Wiley, Last Kind Words blues. That's a
1: beautiful singing
0: mm-hmm. voice. But, you know, Charlie Patton, like, yeah. kind of like Tom Waits, he sang.
1: The blues are really interesting from the the standpoint of, of I mean, like, I, I think once you get to the point where you're talking about, like, electric blues, mm-hmm. you've, you've kind of settled into a style of sure. people singing in a certain way. But if you compare like, Robert Johnson and Skip James mm-hmm. to oh, like, yeah, Lead Belly James, or... Yeah. You know, it, it, they're very different ways of singing.
0: Yeah, I love Skip James. Thanks yeah. for bringing up him. Another one I love. And like, Howlin' Wolf I love later on. But yeah.
1: Howlin' Wolf's a little more in the Cookie Monster camp.
0: Sure. <laughs> Woo. But yeah, I also love Aretha Franklin. Yeah. Rest in peace. And Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I just love so much singing, but I think...
1: Certainly not Aretha or Michael would occur to me to, as being affected, right? Like, no. they sing very much in their voice. Right.
0: Yeah, something I...
1: Or or Stevie Wonder, for example. Oh man, yeah. Yeah.
0: Ooh, Ray Charles, I mean Smokey Robinson. Just anyone who sings like themselves I love. I love. I love Judy Sill and I love Daniel Johnston. Sure. Uh I love so much. What clicks Oh wow. Uh, to me she's she really reminds me so much of Bach mixed with country music. But yeah, I love so much singing, but but uh yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well here. what
1: what 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 about her specifically?
0: Um, it's so personal, and it's just very uplifting music. It's very levitating, kind of yeah. m-
1: magical music. Getting back to this idea of mm-hmm. sort of the floodgates opening, that, that's mm-hmm. what's interesting to me. Once, once this first song literally came to you in a dream, yes, you were kind of off to the races, as it were.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it came to me in a dream, and then I started kind of like drinking to write songs, which I don't recommend, but it worked. It helped for the beginning just because it makes you have your guard down, but it's nah. not good.
1: It's it's performance enhancing in the it way is. that, like, you can actually get out on stage. Was that an issue early on as well, actually performing in front of people? No,
0: that's never been an issue, luckily, just because I have this theory of, like, it's not about me when I perform, it's yeah. about the audience, and I just focus on them, and I just am kind of a vessel for the music.
1: You just had an issue singing at all, even on record, <laughs> yeah, but then you can I mean, sing in front of oh, people. Oh, the singing
0: in front of people thing? I guess, like... It might have been a little hard at first, but it got easier and easier. I just kept mm-hmm. doing it because I knew how it goes. Like I was first nervous playing piano in front of people. Just do it, do it, do it and then you don't get nervous anymore. But yeah, the songwriting, it just like I just had a lot of stuff to write about at that. I first just started writing songs so I could be with this person. So I just wrote them all for him and then it got to like I wrote whole-
1: songs for a boy.
0: A boy. I mean, I've written songs for girls too, but you know what I'm
1: saying. <laughs> yeah. He
0: happened to be a boy at this No, I'm not saying. No, that. it's very from funny. No, from I love the gender. I, love I just him. think it's like very it's, endearing. It, thank you. It, it, you know, it was. It's funny. I I agree. It's very funny. I think it's funny. But yeah, it just was a great way to do it because like he wasn't getting how I felt. Yeah. Or he was. Or he. There's so many mixed. You know, the classic like best friend drama. Like I love my you're best friend. You Writing him and sending him the songs. Yeah. Yes, I was blatantly doing that. Yeah. Cause I was like, "Mm -hmm." so
1: (laughs) when you are interested in somebody, you are not very subtle about it. No, I'm not. I'm never. It's like trying to make friends in, in middle school in a way.
0: Exactly. I was like, listen, (laughs) come on. So yeah. So uh, I just kept doing that. And then eventually when we were together and stuff, we were together, everything was happy. He's like, can't you write about something else? Like he was in my band. I had a band at the time. And he started getting embarrassed because, you know, they're all about him. And some of them are kind of angry at me. Yeah. you know, because we weren't together yet when I wrote a lot of them. And there's one that's very, like, kind of angry. And he's like, can we not do this one? And I got it, you know, and I've got it. And that's part of, yeah, why I don't have a band anymore. Because, like, I don't want anyone to feel like the songs are about them. They're not. But he knew they were about him. So yeah. that was the... T- so then, yeah, I started writing about different stuff after that.
1: The first song on on this album... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's about, it's about somebody, you know, it it, oh. it, it, it is a love song, but it, but, but it's, it's really this about you. Wannabe?
0: It's actually about drugs.
1: I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I apologize. The second song.
0: Oh, the second song. Yes. It's,
1: it, it's, it's, it's a love song, but it really, it's a song about you. For,
0: is that the one that's like, step away? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the one he hated. Yeah.
1: Okay, that was about him. So you, so so it is. So it is. No, uh, no. Good guess. (laughs) It's a love song, but uh, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a first person song. It's a song about you as much as anything else. Yeah. Good
0: point. It definitely is. Sorry, I was that was a little rude of me. Like you listened to my music, yeah. you're like it's about this, and I was like, no, it's about that. But it, even the first song, if you thought it was about me, it, uh, that's what you think, and I have no right to say what the song's about. That's the other thing. When someone hears your song, it's about whatever they think it is.
1: But I was initially going to ask you about yeah. the sort of like moving from writing about someone else to writing about yourself. Sure. But these unrequited love songs, that one very specifically. Yeah. I mean, you. There's a lot of you in it. You're right. right? You're you're talking about your like. Yeah, I guess that was,
0: like, a bridge song. That was the song that I moved to only writing love songs from. Because, like, there's enough love songs in the world. And, like, not everybody... Nobody needs anyone, you know? Like, yeah, it's cool to be in a relationship, but nobody... You don't need it. Like, there's so many things to write about that aren't that. So that was a good song for me, just personally, to bridge from writing I love you songs to others. Like, what's underneath the I love you. Yeah, so that's definitely about me a lot. Because he's not doing anything... To make me feel that way, it's it's all me. Like, he was doing stuff to make me feel like that, but he wasn't saying that stuff. I was saying that stuff to myself.
1: You mentioned the first song being about drugs. Yeah. Why was that an important topic?
0: Oh, well, this whole album's kind of just about, like, drugs and things, triggers to use drugs. But it's no one's fault if anyone does drugs but them, you know, unless yeah. they force you to do them. So, like, there's all these things in my life that I thought were causing me to do drugs. Mm-hmm quote unquote, but it was me doing it. It was my fault. So like the first song is just about like I was going through heroin withdrawal. And it was I wrote the song in my head, like as I it was happening, I had this melody stuck in my head. And I just didn't realize it wasn't a song already. So hmm. I just was like in literally the whole song happened as I wrote it word for word. So that was kind of another In a way, in a dream, but I was awake.
1: (laughs) In that one specifically, how do you transition from it going through your head to you actually sitting down and getting it on paper?
0: Well, yeah, I guess like everyone, I don't know if I believe in OCD. I've been told I have OCD, but I don't even know if I believe in that. Maybe everyone has it. I'm not in anyone's Uh, brain. I'm sure everyone
1: probably has it to a different degree, Yeah, so that
0: song just kept repeating. I was like awake for nine days.
1: You want cold turkey?
0: Yeah, in my room. Like, I should have gone to a hospital, but I was paranoid people would steal my stuff because that happened to me once. So I didn't want to go there because people steal your stuff in rehabs. Like, you get put in a room with a
1: random person. Paragon addicts steal things.
0: They do. We do. Uh, that's another story. Yeah. But yes, I know you're right. And uh so yeah, um I was just in my room and I was awake for nine days and I was literally it was horrible. It was yeah. just horrible. And I was nauseous and I was freezing and I was sweating and I was in my bed and I couldn't sleep, but I wanted to and it was raining. It was just the whole song happened as in my head as it went. So I just kept getting this melody in my head, like, da na, na na and then I even grabbed my guitar and I started playing I'm like, this is so annoying. I hate this song. Because, you know, when something's repeating in your head, it's very annoying. So the only way I could get it to stop is if I finished the song, wrote it down, the end.
1: <laughs> you were actually productive in that period while you were going through withdrawals?
0: Well, I guess you think it's productive, but if I you... I mean, you were you, <laughs> you were able to
1: channel your creativity.
0: Well, yeah, I mean... It was just, I couldn't help it. It was just repeating. And the the annoying thing about songwriting is it's not like I sit in a cafe and I have my typewriter and, you know, sunglasses on. It's always when I'm, like, in a pickle, I write a song. Like, maybe I'm late for something and I'm running and I have a melody in my head or I'm in my bed like that. You know, I can never, like, Randy Newman every day writes a song because he's like, it's my job. I write songs. And Dolly Parton, too. And I write a song every day, too, but it's not like I'm sitting down comfortably. It comes out and that's it like, okay, it's never when I want it.
1: You write a song every day?
0: Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's a, <laughs> a it's good still, song.
1: When you say write a song, I mean, you mean you like... I
0: finish a song and then I show them to my friends and whatever my friends like I use.
1: What's your success rate, do you think?
0: Not that good. Not that good. I mean, I'm too afraid to show them most of it. I know when they're totally horrible songs. I know when they're... But the problem is I can't tell when they're decent songs. To me, they're all totally horrible, but certain ones are just repulsively the kind of thing that if I think about, I'll turn red and shudder. Like, how did I write that? Yeah. So I show them the ones that don't make me do that.
1: <laughs> how important is, is other other people's approval when it comes to um, making art?
0: Approval... I don't, maybe that is a word for it, but I think it's just more what they connect to. Because I can connect all my songs because they're about me. Yeah. But some of them are too self-indulgent. Like there's certain things people, certain songs for, like I don't want. Like if I if I can sense the song is overly cheesy, I won't show it to people. Like I I know deep down what's like don't show people, but I also don't know what they're gonna react to. So a lot it's of it's usually
1: the cheesiness that makes you not want to show it. Yeah. Okay. Or like
0: certain rhyme schemes or certain words, yeah. but I just show them and I, I'm usually very surprised with what they like. Like that song, the first song on the record, this is not who I, whatever, I feel yeah. like stupid saying the names of myself, like very narcissistic.
1: It's, a, it's an interview about you. It's You're about allowed to. It's about me. It's for me. Yeah.
0: But I showed it to a friend, that song, right when I finished it and he hated it. He said, this song sucks and you can't sing. It was really bad. I'm sorry. Are you
1: still friends with that person?
0: Um, no, not really. We yeah. go on and off. But he said, you can't sing. This song sucks. It's just, like, annoying. And I'm like, man.
1: It's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, you don't want somebody who's just going to tell you that everything is great. No, but... but you also don't want somebody who tells yeah. you that you're bad at your job. But
0: but basically, I put... The only reason I made this album is because Joe, the guy who mixed, mastered, produced it, everything, mm. it was all thanks to him. Like, he was the reason I had the emotional energy and believed enough to even
1: do it even after having made the first record
0: Mm -hmm. yeah because i had all these songs and i thought they all sucked and then he wanted to do a record and i was like wow this awesome awesome musician wants to do it it blew me away
1: i mean it sounds like you've got your misgivings about the first record at least like the way it was recorded or maybe performed did you was it not a foregone conclusion that you're going to make a second record
0: well actually I did. I well, I did the first one. It was and then I did another one. And I just put them on Bandcamp. Okay. I didn't really do anything else.
1: So this is number 3.
0: Yeah, by for I took the first two off Bandcamp cuz my dream is for my next record to play all the instruments. That's my dream. Cuz I play drums and I play, you know. Yes. That's my big like Elliot Smith did that and Stevie Wonder. So it's just my dream. To do that next with
1: Joe. After putting out the, those first two records, yeah. that, that you you know in some ways weren't particularly proud of, you still knew that you were going to do the third record.
0: Yeah, well, I didn't know till Joe said that. Yeah. Because I'm friends with his girlfriend Liz, who's a great visual artist, and she showed my songs to him. Mm-hmm. It was her; she was the matchmaker. But the first two records, like, it's not like they were recorded badly or anything. It was just my singing bothered me. Mm-hmm. Like stuff about me is why I took them down, not because of the.
1: Feel produ- good about the songs.
0: I don't know. Like, to me, I feel good about the songs if they're making people feel better. And luckily, they are. That's the only reason I do it.
1: You don't really know how you feel about it until it's out in the world.
0: Like, I know how I feel better, it is, and it's therapeutic for me to write songs, and it's therapeutic for me to sing, and it, I feel like I have a purpose in life when someone tells me that the song... Like, people have told me the songs have helped them not kill themselves. People have told me the songs have helped them through breakups. Like,
1: it's a lot of pressure
0: really? Well, I think yeah. to me, it's just like, it's great. But it's also
1: like, that's, that's a oh. lot to put on a person. You know? Well, think? I
0: mean, in a way, but I what it makes me so happy. Yeah. I mean, it makes me cry. And I feel so it's a, like an unbelievable happiness. I've never felt before.
1: You feel like it has that same impact on you, though? I mean, in, in, as far as like, as, as far as not only like processing things, mm-hmm. but like helping through depression, things yeah, like that? Well,
0: this whole the whole point of A thing I suffer a lot in my life with is with boundaries with other people. Cause it's this neat, cause I want to be friends with everyone, but it's also like, there's not enough hours in the day. And also you can't be friends with everyone physically. It's not, it's not possible. And people tell me that, but I still want to get to know. Maybe not
1: everybody wants to be friends with you. I I know that. Don't
0: worry. (laughs) But the point is like, I just am interested in everyone. Yeah, That's my point. They don't have to be my friend, but I am interested.
1: That's a good quality to have as an artist.
0: Thanks. I think it's a, I think I really wish everyone was interested in everyone. Like you yeah. don't have to love everyone, but at sure. least interest leads to love. You don't have to, you know, love everyone, but maybe you will if you're interested in them. But I just find like with people my age, like everyone's hanging out with people who look like them, who dress like them, who are of their race. And it's not every, you're the, everyone's fault. But it so happens there's cliques of people. Like in high school, you look at the lunch tables, certain people dress alike, they're sitting together. I just don't, I think there'd be less wars and bad stuff if people were interested in people who weren't like them.
1: And you feel like you have a lot to learn from other people too. Yeah. That's part of it.
0: Sure. But the bad thing about this is I'm way, I respect everyone way too much, even equally. I respect everyone equally. Everyone Is that a bad problem? It is because I give people so much power over me. And that is bad. Yeah. So this al- the album's kind of just about boundaries and how it affects drug addiction.
1: Starting from a point of respect, that's a good place to start. To, yeah. to try to respect everyone is right. a good impulse. There's too much respect.
0: I've had eight-year-olds make me cry. Like, that shouldn't yeah. happen. I shouldn't yeah. let an eight-year-old make me cry. So, like, I just have boundary problems. Yeah. Like, I let people in too much.
1: And how does that impact drug addiction?
0: Badly. Because <laughs> basically, you have all these people. You become kind of like, you feel like you're getting peer pressure? Well, it kind of feels like mosquitoes, emotional mosquitoes. And there's nothing of you at the end. So you just take it out on yourself, like wearing you down of energy, sort of.
1: Drugs is a way to sort of drown out some of that? Okay.
0: And also let people trample on your boundaries. Yeah. Because it wasn't like I was saying, hey, don't trample on my boundaries. I was like, okay, fine, do it. And then I would go do drugs. And that's not, that's my fault. It's not their fault. Is
1: it a self-esteem or self-worth issue?
0: Sure. It's very complicated, though, because it's also like I love everybody, but I don't. But I want to be in my room alone for a month. But, but I want to, you know, it's it just kind of like exploring relationships with people and uh, how it affects drug use.
1: But you put out a record that's you know it's it's been praised. People really like it. You know, he gets a tour with Conor Oberst. I know,
0: <laughs> so crazy. I'm he's so he's so nice.
1: Does that impact your self worth?
0: Um. Well, I guess it's not. Mm, it's an interesting thing. It's self-worth. an, well, it's, it's well, an guess, interesting problem
1: because you don't want to obviously you don't want to tie yourself worth too much to whether people think about you. Right.
0: It's not like I yeah. It's not like I think any human on earth is worth more than anyone else. Like I think everyone sure. is exactly equal. The problem is I think I'm lesser than everyone. Sure. So it's kind of like when will I think I'm good enough to exist? And I don't know the answer to that. I do know that Conor Oberst is an extremely empathetic, kind person, and I'm very lucky. He's been so so giving to me, and I just felt so lucky the whole time. The
1: question of being. No, I, know not, not, I know what you're. Just, I know yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, saying. no, no. I'm- I suppose if I if I was you know grappling with some issues of self worth, and mm-hmm. somebody told me that my album helped them not kill themselves.
0: Right. Yes, that will help me. But then I'll think, wow. But what if I can't do it again? What if mm. I can't write any more songs? Like whenever I get any compliment or any praise from these websites and stuff, I think, great, but what if that's the last time? What if after yeah. the, you know, it's, I just feel so lucky every time, but it never, the feeling is always new.
1: Getting back to that Keith Richards story mm-hmm. or any of the other stories, I heard something about Van Morrison writing Astro Weeks, how he like sat on his front porch and channeled all of the lyrics to, wow. you know, that's his story, right? That it was just mm-hmm. some like cosmic muse tra- pouring through him. And I, I, I think those are nice stories, but I I think that they are potentially harmful stories in that they make you feel less than when you're really struggling to write something.
0: Right, yeah. It's very complicated. Writing is very complicated because forcing it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And then people resort to drug use to write songs, which I don't think works even. Uh, I don't think, I don't endorse that or think it works. Yeah.
1: I was watching a John Coltrane documentary. (gasps)
0: Right. Yeah, It's
1: right. They were saying, after Charlie Parker was doing great on heroin... Oh, yeah, he died.
0: He's so great. Yeah, but, but, you know,
1: obviously Charlie Parker is... It was great, yeah, and completely transformed jazz music. Of course, but everybody thought it was the heroin doing. But it's also
0: it. offensive to Charlie Parker, yeah, it's saying like, "Oh, he needed that to be. Gr- he would have been amazing anyway."
1: But a lot of people he started been taking even more
0: amazing somehow. Yeah. You know, even
1: like the Beatles and, yeah. and and psychedelics
0: and Judy Sill. and. But another reason I write songs now that you ask me that it's a great question is to remind myself because. I'm, sometimes I forgive people too quickly and I'm, I'm very quick to forgive and like, oh, it's okay. You can be, do that horrible thing and then I'll still be your friend. And I do it as a reminder, like, hey, this thing happened and it wasn't good. Like, it helps me as a reminder to stay away from certain
1: things because otherwise
0: I will forget.
1: It's like dog earing a passage in a book.
0: Right. It's like, you know, Dorian finding Nemo, like Uh forgetting everything. Yeah. I sometimes do that. Like I'll forget this horrible thing that happened. And I'll just keep going and act like it didn't happen. Yeah. So it's a good thing for me to have these kind of chapters. It helps me make chapters in my life of stuff to remember. Even then, sometimes I don't, but it's helpful to me.
1: You do revisit them in that, you know, when you play them live, and do you, do you feel like you're kind of reconnecting with those places and ideas and things that happen?
0: Sure. I feel like sort of like an actor. I have to go back to the memory and...
1: You're you're an actor playing, playing your own yeah. autobiography.
0: So, yeah, totally. But... Yeah. But also, like, I, I'm i so moved by the audience that it's not painful.
1: Does drawing fill a similar process, you know, in, in sort of, again, sort of channeling things, getting catharsis, dealing with these moments in your life?
0: Yes. Drawing is so helpful, I feel, to people who make music. Because when you're making music, it's all this energy being released and all this energy. And then when you're drawing, you're kind of just, like, calmer. It, yeah. it can be exciting, but it's more a solitary thing and it's really helpful with energy with my energy but it also like i'm lucky that so many people are paying me to draw stuff now but i'm also behind because i got sick so much this year so mm. i have a lot of art to make in the next week or two which is cool but also like stressful a little bit but yeah drawing's really helpful for my just emotional sanity just to be in a room listening to mozart drawing it's meditative I'm so great yeah
1: you said that you were afraid of the songs not coming at a certain point. Sure. But it sounds like you have the opposite problem.
0: Thank you. I mean, like, the thing is, I can write a song every day. doesn't mean it's going to be anything. Sure. Like, so I guess, like, of all, I kind of got scared that I ruined my brain a little bit with all the drug use. Like, I was sober for, like, 350 days. Mm-hmm. Then a couple weeks ago, I started drinking a little bit, but nothing else, which is not great, but still better than before. You
1: feel like you have it under control?
0: Yeah. Yes, I do thankfully now i do uh, and i'm on legal medicine new legal, legal drugs now
1: i don't know if you've been through the program but something that i hear from people who have been through the program is that like it's not it's not necessarily for everyone that you need to quit drinking forever right as long as you have it under control
0: exactly like yeah i'm trying to i would l- rather not do it but it, it for now it's under control knock on wood yeah but I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, like, I was a little afraid that I ruined my brain a little bit yeah. with all the drug use. And I started believing that like, and then I would do all the stupid stuff with medicines. Like I just stop taking my medicine, like my antidepressants. I would decide I, for whatever reason, I don't want to take it anymore. And I started messing with it and I was scared that I ruined my brain. But then I, one of my favorite cartoonists is Roz Chast. Mm-hmm. I got her autograph. Yeah. I've seen her talk. I love Roz Chast. And I read an interview with her where she says she's scared every cartoon will be her last and that made me wow if Roz Chas gets scared, I think I can live with this fear <laughs> you know
1: not from a mortality standpoint but from a creativity standpoint
0: yes that's what I meant not a, yeah. yeah she's afraid she'll never have a good idea again
1: do you think that having these two different outlets I mean do you feel like they kind of work in tandem with each other
0: Yeah I do because I'm I'm actually my next music video. My friend did a music video of my song, The Penguin Song, and he did an animation. Mm -hmm. My next music video is going to be, I'm doing a comic to the last song on the record, where I'm literally going to, I draw comics, so I'm going to do a comic of the song. Like, every box will be a lyric, Mm -hmm. and the camera will just follow the comic. So, yeah, I'm going to, and I did all my apps. Album art. I don't know if I, I. I should have brought you an album. I'm it's sorry. Okay. okay. I can mail you one. But I drew all the album art. I yeah. drew the album cover. I just love to draw. And it. I drew all my. I draw all my posters. It just helps me. Like it helps me. Like put a visual thing to my music.
1: Because I interview a lot of cartoonists, and as oh, you wow. said, it is. It's very very solitary. And yes. in fact, like it for obvious reasons, it tends to attract yeah. pretty introverted people. Which yeah. you don't strike me. Necessarily, as being introverted, at least Thank you.
0: I guess I can be. Like, I guess I really love to be alone, but I also sometimes love to be out. Like, this is fun. You know Lee Lorenz? He was actually the reason Roz Chast was in the New Yorker. He Well, he wasn't the reason. She's the reason. But he brought her in. Because, you know, her first cartoon she sold to them, Little Things, it was called. with It had all these little shapes with weird names. It was Uh just so outrageously different than anything they've had. And he's the one who was like, we need Roz Chast and... He was the cartoon editor of The New Yorker for like 25 years or... Anyway, so he's a jazz musician and I've played jazz with him. And I, you know, I'm afraid to ask him about cartoons because I did once. And he's like, Joanna, I've drawn more than 5,000 cartoons. Like he, you know, just, he's drawn so many cartoons. And it's, to me, it's amazing. But to him, like he wants to play cornet now he plays. he loves playing cornet and playing jazz and in my brain it's like well i've played five thousand gigs and i want to start drawing cartoons i guess anything you do in excess can be
1: intense (laughs) you feel like you're kind of a novice still on the cartoon side
0: i've actually drawn a lot of them and actually on my tour i just did i sold i did something maybe dumb maybe good like i really hate how i used to draw so i just sold all my old cartoons on the tour because i Mm -hmm. didn't want to look at them the originals yeah. yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. But who cares? Like, I don't think it matters. But I did. I sold a lot of them, which is not, I'm not trying to brag.
1: Are there any that you regret having given up? I don't up? think so. Like, I okay. just
0: hated them. Like, my partner's like, why'd you do that? And yeah. I was like, I don't like them. But anyway, I've drawn, I've drawn tons of cartoons too, but it's different because I wasn't getting paid. It was just
1: for me. You've had some like from people like Connor and um, you've you've had accolades. Is there anything you can look at right now that you feel like I'm, I am really proud of that thing?
0: Yeah. Uh, whenever anyone feels better from my music.
1: The album, for example. Oh. Do you feel yeah. that sense of pride?
0: Um, I guess so. I don't know. I wish yeah. I felt more pride. I'm very, I feel very fortunate. I mean, I feel like so many people are making great music now that deserves, they deserve albums too. So I'm just, I just feel so lucky. I think more than pride.
1: There you go that was Joanna Sternberg really really wonderful conversation thanks to them you can check out their new record Then I Try Some More that is out now Thanks to Joanna, and thanks to Nathan for helping set up that interview. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the program. If you like the show, there are a number of ways to support us. You can rate and review us on iTunes. We're on Google Podcasts and Spotify now. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr. That's rwellcast.tumblr.com. Send us a line. That's rwellcast at gmail.com. And that's about all we got for now, so stick around, because we're going to be back in a few days with another episode of our IYL.